thanks again for tuning in to the Replatform podcast. And if this is your first time, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the episode. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. It makes us feel much better about ourselves. Uh, okay, so let's set up the uh, um, today's uh, session and then I'll introduce you to our guests. So our topic today is getting started with big commerce as an agency and, and building apps on top of the platform. Um, it's good timing, really, because Big Commerce just announced stellar growth in Q3. I think they said like revenue is up 49% year on year, subscription of up 52%. They're pushing big areas of functionality. They've um, folded in Bundle B2B into the core platform. Multi-storefront is live, and they're on a big trajectory for that. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm shamelessly admitting I'm a big fan of the company and platform, uh, and there is a buzz around the ecosystem. So we thought it'd be a good idea to reach out to one of the award-winning partners, and let's get under the hood from a technical and a commercial point of view, learn more about like why do, why do agencies choose big commerce and also the reason uh, and some ease of building out their own like custom apps for the app store to to provide additional functionality to merchants. So a warm welcome to Tom Robertshaw, who's the Innovation Director at Space48. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for making the time. So before we ask you all our usual annoying questions, uh, could you just get, give a bit of an intro to, to our listeners? Some will know you, others won't who you are, what your role is, and also just give people a flavour for Space 48 as well, please. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Innovation Director at Space 48. As you mentioned, we're UK and Ireland uh, leading e-commerce agency. Um, I set up to help ambitious retailers unlock their next phase of growth, whether that's through like a platform selection exercise and replatforming, um, or perhaps increasing kind of the rate of development and things like that. Um, particular verticals we work in, I'd say like home and, home and garden in particular, um, Clients you might be familiar with include Richer Sounds, Betty's and Taylor's um, of Harrogate and an Ordnance Survey. Um, kind of where I, I fit into the picture, um, I started in kind of e-commerce uh, industry back in sort of 2009 when Magento was just sort of just coming out and recognized that, oh, this is quite a cool platform. There's a lot going on here. It'd be interesting to build e-commerce websites. And so founded a, a Magento development agency um, just over a decade ago, which is sort of similar age to, to Space48 um, as well. And, and did that for many years until 2017, uh, where Space48 acquired that business. So um, I sort of took my technical background and I was the MD of that other business and, and sort of become, became a e-commerce consultant for Space48, helping, helping that platform selection process. And both us as an agency, as the e-commerce market was changing to, to look at other platforms that we might be able to offer um, that kind of best sit certain e-commerce situations. Um, but with the technical background, I could always take those discovery workshops and build out requirements and even to sometimes technical specifications as well. So that was kind of the, the journey I've, I've been on. And then kind of along comes BigCommerce um, for me, like around two, two and a half years ago. Um, and then with some experience on the agency side and a decade in um, agency life, I kind of was was looking for, for a new challenge. Um, and I've for a while had the, the itch to work on products with a little bit of exposure on the Magento extension marketplace, um, had a small product for a time that was almost a competitor to built with, um, but never essentially went all, all, in, all in with it um, and saw a massive opportunity with BigCommerce um, to sort of um, uh, two birds with one stone um, and go go all in and have this sort of like bold uh, initiative to to create a suite of apps for, for BigCommerce. And that's kind of what's led me to, to today. 
Great. Well, um, I'll ask the first question. So uh, we know we've known each other for a while um, from the Magento kind of community, I guess. And I know you've worked with a lot of uh, a lot of platforms. So Magento, Big Commerce, you've already mentioned, uh, and then Shopify, Shopware, etc. Um, how have you found Big Commerce so far from a technical perspective? So from working with it, maybe more as like an architect or a developer initially, and then now kind of building out products. Sure. Um... Yes, it's fair to say a lot of my experiences with Magento. That's where most of my development time has been spent, both Magento 1 and, and 2. Um, a small amount of development on, on Shopify uh, and also Shopware, albeit Shopware 5 uh, at the time. So um, not, their, not their newer product. But so with kind of that context going into development on big commerce, um, there's certainly a different way of thinking. It's, it's SaaS. So uh, it's much more focused around um, APIs, much more focused around um, when you're building custom functionality, it's much more focused around those custom apps. So you can choose your tech stack rather than the Magento. There's a really high barrier to entry for new developers. There's training programs you need to go through. Um, you just need time with the platform to really be able to kind of wield it. Um, so to speak. Um, whereas the SaaS platforms, it's a kind of real leveler. So both, both with Shopify and, and BigCommerce, um, there's, you know, you don't have to go through that training program um, to, to kind of be able to make the most of it. From a theming perspective, again, there's um, there's not much you need to know. The theme uses a technology called Handlebars, which is very similar to, to Liquid and Shopify. So very basic um, templating engine that pretty much enables you to, to do whatever you want to do. Um, it's got a lot of inf all the information you could need and the APIs that you could need to, to build out your kind of incredible commerce experience. Um, uh, so that's great on the, on the theming side. Um, it has kind of improved particularly over the last couple of years in, in terms of content management. So it has this widget API and page builder to enable developers and, and merchants to kind of create a a site that you can manage for the longevity of 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 the platform um so you don't always need to return to um uh, a a developer so so that's been that's been really good i think one of the the initial concerns kind of being used to the situation where you own the entire code base and you can change it, like literally anything you want the answer is always yes it's just like how much is it going to cost um with sas uh, and with bigcommerce you're the initial Concern is that if there isn't an API or the product just doesn't work that way, then then you're stuck. Um, and sometimes, like there's still a process for us to go through learning, kind of what what are BigCommerce's strengths, what are weaknesses, how do we work around those with kind of the use of the APIs, and then perhaps those those custom apps that we might look to for for, for projects. Um, but it's certainly been a, a kind of conceptual change. Um, from an API perspective, the coverage is actually like really good, and that was one of the things um, that I've kind of had poor experiences with the SaaS platforms sort of back in the day when um, uh, in the early days of Magento, where you know technology comes full circle. There were plenty of SaaSes around then; they just were very limiting, and they didn't have this like API first approach. Um, now there actually is in, in, like really good coverage. Um, some platforms have rate limits. So that's something that I know that is commented on from a Shopify perspective that API rate limits can kind of mean that you have to work around the fact that you might be blocked from making requests. So you can only make so many requests per minute or per second. With BigCommerce, that's much more flexible. So it just kind of opens more doors. Um, I particularly around that can help for custom apps, but also just the migration process. Obviously, we're an agency. We do an awful lot of migrations from one platform to the other. Um, and you don't want that data migration process to, to take too long, either when you're testing it or the actual launch itself, where you don't want to be waiting a long, long time uh, and migrating customers over days because you're 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 waiting uh, and to try and avoid the API rate limit. So that's been kind of uh, really impressive um, uh, to us. But I think the API first 
approach that Picomus have taken. Um, and I will talk about like new features, but that's been kind of really helpful as well that you're not just waiting for a feature um, when it's like completely finished from Picomus's point of view. You might have discussions with them and be involved in the sort of the discovery process of the new feature, but to get things out more quickly, um, just because it's sort of the right way of thinking about things. New features are, are launched with uh, an API first, perhaps no user interface for it, um, which means that it comes quicker to market uh, and we can, you know, the agency can create the solutions for each individual individual customer. So, so yeah, a positive experience. Um, you know, that people can bring their own technology um, and, and skill sets to, the, to a SaaS platform um, because the, the APIs are, are, are so comprehensive and um just as i say levels the playing field so that's that's um that, that's how i'd summarize it great and um i guess a follow-on question from that which um is kind of half mine half james's we've got like some notes here that we're working through and i'm kind of combining two questions um so i remember seeing on linkedin maybe even like a year ago there was uh you were kind of limited by an api i didn't know what the api was and then you worked with the big commerce team and they actually went and kind of like extended it for you and that allowed you to then achieve something like how have you found like have you found they've been pretty flexible to work with is that kind of something you've experienced a few times yeah have you yeah. That's a good memory. Um, yeah, we were working on Ordnance Survey at the time, um, and that was almost pre-Page Builder. Um, but the widget API that powers Page Builder did exist, and so when we were looking at creating a flexible way for um, Ordnance Survey to manage their their page content, so whether that be CMS pages or their longer form um, product detail pages, um, we could make use of the the widget API. We just need to provide them with uh, essentially a user interface, um, and so we were kind of create kind of guided those requirements uh created the technical spec and then one of one of the kind of great things about BigCommerce has been like the partnership like, like every stage of the process from kind of the kind of through the sales pitch through uh, build and, and beyond there's there's someone to help you um and on that project we had a solution architect um i believe his name was patrick puente who was brilliant to give us feedback particularly when we were still um kind of newer with the platform on our approach um and we recognized there was an opportunity to simplify that, that integration if there was a um, uh, another feature on uh, the, the API, so a certain way of filtering through the, the widgets. Um, and he took that away. Unfortunately, the, the widget API team had, had some spare capacity and were able to release that within a couple of weeks, which you know greatly reduced our um, uh, the, the, the complexity of the integration, which was which was great. And I appreciate you might not you know always want the a product team to move that quickly. They've probably got higher priorities, but it was it was great to to know that they were there for us and listening uh, i guess more than more than anything and having been in the industry for for a long time uh, with with lots of uh, platforms that that talk about partnerships um that's certainly something that's felt a little bit uh, different this time uh, this time around with with bigcommerce so i've been really impressed um with the, the kind of the attention uh, that you get um through through projects to kind of help guide the process uh, and understand what the best way of, of approaching something yeah that makes sense you certainly wouldn't get that with magento uh, um <laughs> And I guess like in terms of kind of features and functionality as well that have been released by big commerce, there's been a lot over the last year or 18 months, um, including page builder, which you just talked about. Um, how what are some of the ones that you've seen benefit Space 48 and Space 48's customers? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it is good to call out page builder again. I think it's 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 a product that they keep 
releasing um, new features too. So it's a core part of the way that we build sites now, um, being able to give people that flexibility, not only to kind of build out pages, but also build out like the, the components that so we can almost build components from our component and they can reuse components from our library um, of design so they can just, um, you know, they can create new pages or um, things that they're familiar with and just put it somewhere else. Um, so that's that has been great, um, kind of building out our own library internally. So we have a suite of things that are available to more merchants and it might be some a direction that we go down with our, our apps as well to provide more to the to the marketplace. Um, so that's certainly been a great addition. Promotions is, is something that the team called out uh, in particular. Um, obviously, with every every retailer, um, promotions are incredibly incredibly important to be able to offer the the, you know, the right promotion for the right conditions of what's in the basket, price, and grand total, and things like that. Um, over the last kind of year or so, they released a, a new version of the uh, of their promotion. So initially, again, via API first. So we were able to kind of make use of that to programmatically create the promotions that a customer um, needs, um, but now also has um, you know, got to a point now where they've created their own user interface for it as, as well. So that's been a really big update, um, and particularly like when we, we do offer, um, you know, we've got multiple practices within the business so that we can, you know, have teams that are really good at Shopify, teams that are good at BigCommerce and teams that are good at Magento. Um, it was quite noticeable, where particularly when there's a lot of merchants coming from Magento, looking at, at, at Shopify, for instance, and the promotions is, is, is certainly a different way, different way of doing it. Magento was incredibly powerful with promotions, but then uh, perhaps the UI was a, a bit tricky to figure out how to use. Um, Shopify is kind of the opposite ex extreme, where um, there's a lot less that you can do out, out of the box, and, and more likely you need to get a developer involved. Um, because that BigCommerce's promotions update has been kind of a really good sort of in-between doesn't have everything that, that magenta might do but it has uh, an awful lot um uh, and it's really easy to manage so those are those are a couple of big things i just i just be really impressed um like the speed that they're going at uh in terms of the number of product updates it's surprising you know they they have their town halls they have their partnership announcements their product releases um and they're just they are they come in thick and fast um one of the other areas that i'm kind of in, impressed around because it, it doesn't get um enough focus often is is the accessibility so you know you could see them with their strategy change over the last few years and focusing on on, on bigger merchants and adding new features to the platform might be seen as like their their number one goal um, but they've gone back through their cornerstone base theme um, and kind of upgraded it all to make sure that it's um, as a starting point um, AA compliant with the web content accessibility guidelines. Which you know, it's just it's just good to see. It's not you know it's not it's not a sexy area of the product to be working on, um, but it's good to see that they're they're investing in 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 all areas that are important. Uh, that's a really nice point to pull out actually because I think we we did an episode of the RNIB a few months back and I think there's there's nearly two and a half million people visual impairment alone in the UK that's due to grow to five million by 2030 and and even if people aren't thinking about the customer perspective it from a commercial perspective alone like alienating that number of people and then also you're, you're screwing up potentially indexation by making a site inaccessible so it's yeah it's really important that the the core compliance is ticked off in a platform for you yeah so thank, thanks for that and one question i've got actually uh, is around theme customization because I've had a lot of conversations with people where, where people don't want to go down headless in a completely custom front-end route because it doesn't suit them. There's no justification. But they don't want to be pigeonholed into a specific template which they can't change. And then theme customization gets people a little bit scared because they think, oh, my God, I'm going to be off upgrade paths and, and yeah, it's going to cause conflicts with theme updates. Could you talk people through like how does how does BigCommerce enable um, themes 
to be customized so that they can be like on brand with how the business wants to build those pages without mm-hmm. causing unnecessary headaches. Certainly. Um, so I think one of the first things to call out um, with BigCommerce compared to uh, like the Magento style platform is the, and one of the pitches is that you don't need to worry about the core platform upgrades. So you're not kind of applying security patches or worrying about when an upgrade is, is rolled out. For the core platform itself, where most of the complexity lies and it can be hidden away in the core platform um, and surfaced through the API, like that is upgraded like seamlessly. You don't really know when when they go out. Um, with the corner, cornerstone then, like from a theme, if you packaged up a Magento theme compared to a BigCommerce theme, it's in, there's a lot less um, business logic in it. It's a lot less complex. Um, so... You build off this base theme called called Cornerstone as, as one option. There are other other themes are available, but that's their their primary um, one that they provide. Um, now, when they release new features, there may be um, some integration work that you need to do to to pull that in. Um, so, for example, these accessibility improvements. Um, if you're already on the platform, um, those accessibility improvements might be kind of in in many different template files, and and so that might be something that's more difficult to to um, to pull in. Um, whereas there'll be other features that are you know, will go through that process with the client. Of you know, you don't have to, as it were, with 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 Magento, you you always have to upgrade the theme. Like you might, you might choose not to with BigCommerce. You start out and you you kind of take ownership. It's always going to work, um, and then you pull in kind of what you need. So that's more of a discussion than it was um, in the past, where we can actually say, you know, this is this is our theme. You know, this is the starting point, um, uh, and we can we can then customize it to to our heart's, heart's content. Um, and because most of the functionality kind of that is being added to the platform is is kind of admin interface and um, like server side as it as it were. Um, there, I haven't come across many situations where there's been a, a sizable change that's been needed to be made to, to the theme um, to, to kind of earn that feature. Cool, thank you. And, and um, so, an, another question I've got is around the, the the pros and cons of working with a platform. Because we always say on on the podcast, no platform is one hundred percent perfect. It can't be. Um, so I'd love to hear, like Space Forty Eight and you as as well have worked with a lot of different platforms. So I guess number one is what what led a lot of the bills to go down the big commerce route. And then could you talk us through some of the pros and cons of developing and releasing on big commerce versus, you know, like the likes of a Magento? Yeah, certainly. Um, so coming coming from, from the Magento world, and as I say, we like I, I totally agree with your point of like horses for courses. Um, each platform, like there's there's a there's good reasons to use it. Um, and there's there's times when it's not appropriate to to use. And so where we are, where we've kind of dealt with sort of people that are perhaps doing five, 10 million um, turnover uh, and above. But those people, those established businesses that are looking for further growth, they are probably coming from a Magento 1 or Magento 2. And that's kind of where a lot of the market um, has been over the last five five to 10 years. Um, We'll go through the kind of evaluation process with them. Magento kind of no longer um, for for some people no longer is is suitable. It's kind of much more technical ownership. Doesn't meet like the requirements of their in-house team. Um, it's not kind of where the priority should be. So kind of that that rules that out. And then for us internally, yes, we're we're mainly focusing on on the three platforms. So we also will consider consider Shopify. Um, um, and put kind of forward the pros and cons of of Shopify, uh, and for some um, businesses, particularly those that are, um, dare I say, like simpler e-commerce, a simpler buying journey, um, then it makes an awful lot of sense. Like there's a, a great um, or the Shopify product itself is is great. The ecosystem um, is is significant, and so that's a great um, uh, foundation to to build your your new site on. Uh, but for many customers, 
big commerce have, has been sort of um it's, it's resonated with them because it has more features out, out of the box the those features that they might come to have expect from from magento uh, and so it's a, a lot less painful than kind of going back down to basics um where, when it comes to, to what shopify provides so so kind of that's our position like there's there's always um, a right time for each platform it just seems to be that the space that we we work in um it becomes fits uh, a lot of the time for those those established retailers um and it seems to be like the right where becomes the strategy is it's right that it's the target segment that, that they're looking to to solve those uh, retailers needs um whereas, whereas shopify you know has its own um its own mission um and magento uh, there's as well whereas for, for our typical merchant um uh, becomes just seems to be be the right place that makes sense um, so when, when I invited you to come on initially, um, I wanted to focus the first half of the episode on the big commerce platform, which you've done. And then the second half more on kind of where you've moved to now. So more on the kind of app development side, um, some of the things you're trying to essentially build on top of the big commerce platform. So maybe to start with, can you just talk about kind of why you moved more towards this kind of product role, like kind of how it came about, whether it was something you wanted to do or, or something space for you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of how you found that tr- uh, transition. Certainly. So, yeah, so I started it probably about a year ago, actually. I, I transitioned roles with um, not a lot of work um, at Space48 about kind of our, our growth plan. There's many e-commerce businesses. It's been it's been uh, an interesting uh, couple of years. We've seen a lot of growth as, as an agency um, and particularly uh, with, with BigCommerce. And kind of, we can see the trajectory the platform is going on. Um, so we want to continue investing in, in that relationship, um, uh, investing in our like, commitment to, to that platform. At the same time, um, I'm, I was looking for a, for a kind of a new uh, challenge. Like I'd gone through the process of kind of starting a business from scratch, going through the that acquisition, um, kind of loving uh, Space Forty Eight and the team um, that I work with, uh, but also you know just personal um, kind of personal challenge and a personal mission. I'd, I'd worked in an agency for, for ten years, um, kind of. Doing the e-commerce consultancy wasn't wasn't enough for me, and I wanted a, I wanted a new challenge. And so, with that kind of itch of working on products, uh, as well as like kind of the belief that, that there's going to be a lot of success um, in the big commerce space, uh, it just seemed like a perfect marrying of, of the two. So, um, essentially, had a had a chat um, with with the Space Forty Eight um, leadership team um, uh, and John in, in particular, and we said that's just a great opportunity for us as an agency to do that. So. Um, Fortunately, uh, we're going through some other sort of structural changes um, at the time, so I was able to move over uh, in- incredibly quickly. Uh, we we were uh, we understood that an agency doing product is 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 nothing new. One of the challenges is 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 actually kind of seeing it through and doing it well because um, client work will always take priority, quite rightly. Um, whereas you need the kind of the long term investment in, in a product and the focus. And so we were just at a stage where I could actually step out of my role as other people were changing roles as well, um, and I could I could go. Um, full speed ahead working on on the apps full time so that I, I knew that I was you know a going to be focused on building the products and but I could be focused on uh, on supporting the the app customers as, as well so that's kind of that's that's how it's how it started um um and I kind of started building the the first app um pretty much like the start of this year um and uh, we we now have two apps live so you built, you know, uh, space for you. built a few apps in the big commerce marketplace. I'd love to look at the the, the latest one around category merchandising. But I guess key, a couple of key questions is number one, why is it needed? I think helping people understand why there's a need for this type of app. But secondly, w- what does it do? Like, what's the benefit for an e-commerce team for using it? 
Yeah, certainly. I can lay a bit more foundation as well in terms of like why we <laughs> why we believe that the app ecosystem needed needed us or needed something yeah. as well. Um, cool. So. So not only like believing in the platform, we recognize that one of the great things was that it does have an established app ecosystem because it's not a new player. Um, a lot of the best of breed partners are already um, out there and on the on the app store, um, which is great when it comes to projects and you know new clients coming aboard. That their their technology suite is already available to them. Um, but compared to other uh, ecosystems like Shopify, Magento, there's there's a lot more that you need to. Uh, like retailers need to kind of get live. Um, it's great to have best of breed, but you can't have best of breed of everything normally. There's normally a few constraints in play. Um, um, and that area, I would say, was kind of weaker in terms of what the, the kind of apps that fill become as uh, gaps, apps that are um, perhaps more cost-effective than the best of breed that are always having to sort of add um, more functionality and more um, uh, complex functionality for their larger merchants. And so I was really excited about, about filling filling that filling that gap. Um, um, so working with our, our current clients, um, spending more time in the ecosystem, understanding what, what they needed. Um, and so with, with Category Merchandiser, I can know from the experience in the in the ecosystem that kind of having control of the order that products show um, in, in the product listing page or the category page is incredibly important. Like there's a whole suite of um, rules that you might apply of when you want products to show, whether or not that's a, a luxury brand that wants, you know, real uh, control over the aesthetics of how different colors of products that show up next to each other versus the, the more um, statistical analysis of which products have the, the uh, are best selling or have the biggest profit margin or particular brands you know we need to put above, uh, above another. So that's kind of like the the problem space that we saw. Um, and at the time, the there was a new API that BigCommerce were launching for the called the product sort order API. So um, prior to that, really, if you were kind of just using the platform, um, you could only sort products on a, on a global level. So um, products, if they were in multiple categories, might be shown in essentially the same order. Um, so it's quite little control there, but then they released the ability to specify the order on an individual category level. Um, so that sounded like a great um, time to build out a visual merchandiser tool. So that's kind of where, where it started. Like the first phase of providing that is just providing essentially an interface where they can drag and drop um, and change the order of products on a category by category basis. But like as a sort of just kind of given in the intro, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and so the further we got into it, while we wanted to get a first version out, um, it, it quickly morphed into a category merchandiser where Yes, being able to to merchandise is is great and drag and drop uh, those products in the right order is great. But I don't want to do that for every category and every product. I want to kind of the approach I've taken is I want to pin pin some products at the top. Perhaps I want to like have fine grain control over like my best categories and and the first page of those categories. But then I just want like I just want you to handle the rest. And so um, we provide the ability to for things that you haven't merchandised. You can specify a default sort order, um, and then the the kind of first real merchandising capability we've then built in in terms of rules is being able to um, enable out of stock products being buried to the bottom. So it's kind of a very common requirement that we hear on projects um, where you don't want to kind of lose their the, the kind of SEO value by hiding them, uh, but you don't want them to be taken up kind of valuable um, screen real estate when you could be selling something else. So um, so a couple of rules to it. Push those to the bottom when they go out of stock. Um, return them when they come back in, and then also for uh, on-sale products. Um, so much like um, our first app, which kind of facilitates that sale management, um, 
it enables you to choose the first page of products perhaps and then any products are on sale or then shown next um, in advance of like your your regular sort order so that's kind of the starting position for it which i'm really excited about but i can <laughs> i also see all the, all the further functionality you could build into without trying to get it too um complicated for, for merchants that and retailers that don't have a lot of spare time um for build, build in some of that business logic i was i was describing that's kind of the direction that i'd like to, to take it right um so um i as you know i've been involved with claver a bit sort of pretty much since the start and you were involved early on as well um and i think you built the first magento connector right when they first launched i was involved yes certainly i i, I um, we had thomas scarolitis um, um uh, was the developer of that, that plugin yeah yeah so um and with them so i feel like i've seen quite a lot of like how they've struggled with maybe magenta and some of the other open source platforms from a support perspective um because every implementation is different you've got various different modules where you can have conflicts and everything else um how different is it working with big commerce in particular um from a support perspective like how do you expect that as you kind of build out more apps to need to support those apps that's no, a really good question. Um, it was it's definitely one of the sort of risk factors going into this is what what does support look like? Um, how do we do it well? Um, and our experience had just been on the Magento side where yes, to, to support a plugin, you almost like as soon as you get a support request, you almost need to ask for server access or an admin access to figure out what on earth is is going on. Um, so one of the beauties of of the SaaS model is that you own all of it. So if there's if there's a bug, you know, it's on it's on your end and you can probably see it. You've, um, so that's certainly been an, adv- an advantage that I don't need to um, kind of get access to any credentials. I don't need any sort of more privileged access than, than I already have. Um, and also I can also look in advance. I can preempt um, because I have full access of um, the app's logs and what's going on. Um, that's much easier to, to see when something has happened even before support requests has, has come in. Um, so that, that's been good. I think what I underestimated in kind of um in that regard is that it, you know it, it's called SAS for a reason like you are you are hosting this app um, and everything that it does um it needs to be operational all of the time um and so my experience in magento extensions is you kind of build a feature and then you push it out to market and everyone else gets to kind of run run it from an operational point of view and you might get a few bug reports here and there to to solve this is is very much something that that you run and operate and like i as a as the the app provider uh, you know, it's my concern to make sure that it's running um, optimally for for everyone, and I get to see that. So, so it's only a lot more involved than it was when it was just a case of you know building the feature and, and pass it on to somebody else. Um, there's certainly um, work that you have to do to make sure it's working well. Got a related question to that. Um, I think this will help people listen who aren't so used to these uh, SaaS platforms or haven't worked on them before. Everyone talks about one-click install has been a big advantage. Like, there's an app store, Shopify's got it. Um, yeah. yeah, big commerce, other platforms like Shop, Shopware are building them out. All you got to do is, is pay for the app, click, it's installed. Hey, presto, it works. Can you just like clarify the point? Is it really that simple? If you're a big commerce merchant and you install your category merchandiser and it's successful, is it instantly the functionality and features in the backend admin panels to use? Yes. Yeah. They can t- particularly those features that are kind of consuming the API and, and that feature, while it affects the front end, doesn't add any JavaScript or anything like doesn't make any theme changes or anything like that. So it's purely a feature uh, is, um, uh, that, that the app powers and, and communicates with the API. So with a single click install, um, the single click install process is essentially 
or authenticating the app, uh, giving it an API request to uh, API token to be able to make requests in the future. And so like that's really where I see like the key advantage of 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 SaaS and I, I can't I know that technology comes in cycles, but I can't see where where SaaS uh, goes away and you go back to kind of owning the in, entire platform for these these style businesses because and the the businesses that are going to succeed are those that can um, plug and play um, each different app and being able to kind of move quickly with minimal development effort, um, try things out. That's one of the beauties of of the app world I found so far is that stores can can install it, try it out, uninstall it. Like I know that, you know that sucks. I want to keep them, um, but it's it's great that they can do that. It's so so empowering yes. for for the e-commerce teams to be able to do that rather than kind of do a bit of research um, of, of extensions kind of submit a ticket to to their development partner uh, and wait a few weeks to kind of kind of prioritizing it and get it scheduled in um and you can still have like staging environments and staging stores to be able to kind of if you if you want a little bit more protection you can you can test things out there um there's always you know there's always times when yeah there's customizations or the front end experience you might want to do and so it's not like say so there's there's never any development um but certainly i think the business that are going to succeed are those that can move more quickly they're not going to going to return to like everything is a customer development project that needs like yep. three weeks scoping and a four four month development time um you know you can reevaluate your partners more regularly um and i think that's gonna you know with the, the pace of change i think that's what's really going to make a difference for, for for businesses and this isn't just in the e-commerce space i think that's a, it's a wider trend as the as more and more products and platforms um communicate better over, over apis this is this is i think a big change from it on an industry level yeah, and I also think that there is a, a conceptual shift that, that client teams need to go through in terms of not everything's in the platform. Because a lot of time you get, oh, but Magento and Salesforce have this, and then but but big big commerce and Shopify don't. And the question isn't do or they don't they, it's how do they, and they do it differently. And I think you're right that that ability. I work with clients a lot, and so does Paul to say, what's your MVP? You know, you can't launch every single feature you could possibly want because you'll never go live. Mm-hmm. And often the, the advantage of this app stores is to take an app and turn it and say, right, that will do the core functionality and we the cost model is absolutely fine. And we do that. And maybe there's a, a higher enterprise level solution that requires more integration and the business case is two years away. And you can live with the current app, which doesn't have the same level of functionality, but you can then turn it off and move to the next level if you need to. I think I think that kind of conceptual thinking is part of the evolution in e-commerce at the moment. Yeah, and I think it's it's I totally agree with that. And I think that one of the most difficult things putting myself in a in a retailer's shoes is uh, they're going through this platform selection process. They're they're used to everything being yes or everything being possible um and then so that kind of you know you never you never, i think paul's mentioned it before you never get fired for choosing ibm um or back in the day magento whereas then the platform market changed and um like the rise of SaaS made people have to to make that trade-off but yes i appreciate there's, there's times when the um that trade-off is is frustrating um but actually the speed that you can go at by accepting um you know a smaller set of requirements or um slightly less um uh, complexity in, in the final product um you can actually like the beauty that i've seen in the last few years compared to kind of the first five years of kind of uh, my e-commerce career is that not kind of wasting time spinning wheels like building out everything 
just to be unique on on your um you know the way exactly the way it works um much more e-commerce teams are actually spending time growing the business rather than fighting fires um or scoping things out to the nth degree so i, I feel i feel everyone's a lot happier for it yeah absolutely i think this is in my opinion this is why magento and salesforce went wrong i think they're a bit too late to this like the example i always use is with some of those platforms you can spend 30 40 50 grand changing payment gateway and in a big commerce or Shopify, you know, it's configuration and that's a big part of people's budgets. Um, mm. So yeah, that whole piece around kind of control um, is bigger, it's been a big thing for Ecom. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask the next question. Um, so with the apps that you're building, so you've obviously got, I think it's two live at the moment with BigCommerce, is that right? Yes, um, yeah. And is the goal to move into other platforms? Because I know you've got like a roadmap of other apps you're looking to build, or is it for now that you're looking to stick with big commerce? Well, certainly like big commerce is my is my focus and, and our focus. I appreciate like the agency like is considering uh, multiple platforms from the agency perspective, but from the apps perspective, um never say never, but my my all of my attention is on on big commerce. There's just there's so much opportunity there. Um uh I've got an um uh, a list as long as my arm in terms of the apps that we could be doing. And I'm really excited about like tackling each and like every one of them. Although I know practically speaking, that's that's not, not going to be possible. Um, but right now the focus is is solving that need in the big commerce space and supporting others. Like I um, you know, much like the e-commerce industry it's, itself, I think there's there's room for for multiple e-commerce platforms. Similarly, I want to I want to see other um, uh, app companies and companies building apps come to the market as well, um, facilitate the community in kind of learning how to, to go about doing it. So that's kind of part of part of my mission as well. But no, right now is 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 just kind of full speed ahead on on creating as many different apps as, as possible to to enable uh, those those retailers on BigCommerce. That makes sense. I think when you look at how companies like Bold have grown in the Shopify space, like the um, the growth of like I think they're like I think they were like two hundred people before they kind of like pivoted a little bit. Um, mm. And with big commerce growing so much, I think there's loads of opportunity. Um, and then last question for me. So it's a bit of a tangent, I guess, but we've talked about some of the new features and kind of how the platform's improving a lot. Um, multi-store being released is quite a big thing for, I think, a lot of people that have looked at big commerce historically or even, you know, the SaaS platforms generally. It's not something that has been a big strength for them or the Shopify and big commerce anyway. Um, how have you looked at this? Um, you know, what do you think if you have and how does that impact your apps? Oh, good question. Um, so I've had uh, beta access. So with, with many of the like new features, kind of privileged enough to kind of be either being interviewed through the discovery process or kind of have an opportunity to feedback on API documentation or actual kind of early releases of the product. And so I've, I've seen what kind of what they're doing with, with multi-site. Um, I can't say that I've kind of tried it out in earnest. I'm sort of waiting for it to kind of stabilize and see what opportunities there are to. to Kind of I facilitate the launch of it, perhaps with with apps. Um, if there's some spaces, which I'm sure there will be uh, in the product, but I I think it is it's a big deal um, for for the platform. Like you said, it's it's been a big differentiator for Magento compared to kind of Shopify and big commerce. Um, and so it's going to be right now. It's probably the deciding factor, and a lot of the times. Um, I think it's been refreshing at the same time to see um, you know, people launch like multi-sites um, just through multiple instances of, of a SaaS platform. Um, and actually, you know, um, there's no one size fits all for like a multi-site approach, which is probably why it's so difficult to launch as a, an e-commerce platform vendor. Um, but I think it's a big part of kind of big commerce's 
continued growth, its strategy um, around um, kind of servicing kind of that that market because it's just in it's so applicable to so many different size businesses. Um, that multi-site is going to be a kind of a key to unlocking a, another set of, of customers. Um, so I think it's all, all part of their plan. I'm looking forward to to seeing it seeing it more over over the coming year. Excellent. Uh, thanks very much. That's, that's all of our annoying questions for today. Uh, I guess just one last thing is if anybody wants to explore any of these like technical or commercial topics in more detail, wants to find out more about the apps and how they really work in anger, how do they reach out? Um, well, for me specifically, um, you can email, uh, email me at tom at space48.com and Bobby Shaw on Twitter. Um, so the apps themselves are, are on the, the app store if you search through that for Space48 um, or our website. Amazing. Um, yeah, in fact, Tom, thanks ever so much. I always enjoy listening to you talk. I love the passion you've got for, for e-commerce and technology. So thanks for taking the time. Hope we haven't scarred you emotionally today. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, thanks as always to everyone who's tuned in and listened. We really appreciate you taking the time. Keep an ear open for the next episodes and let us know of any topics or guests you'd like to see us feature, but do tell us why. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. And we'd love a rating on Apple or Spotify. It helps us with our visibility. Um, yeah, take care. Look forward to catching up on the next episode. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.